At one point it gave civilization life, and then later it was the world's enemy. But now we're just trying to avoid it. That's right, it's exactly what you thought I was leading to. Gluten. My name is Louis Colorotolo, and I am a PhD candidate at the University of Guelph trying my absolute best to get a degree in food science, and personally, I love gluten. When I should be writing my thesis, and believe me, I am not, I like to talk with other graduate students about what they're researching and how it might come about in our daily lives. So today we are talking about replacing gluten, and uh, honestly, I'm, I'm okay with not replacing it. But not everyone can have it. So today we are going to be talking with Navni Sharma, who studies using different plant-based products to make replacements for that delicious, wonderful, tasty gluten. Making a product similar to something that has gluten in it is very difficult. And in fact, it puts a lot of pressure on Navni. But here's what she has to say about a little bit of pressure. So you said, screw you, beans. I'm going to just put you into the pressure machine. Yep. See how you like it. Yeah. And and do you feel cruel when you do that? Do you ever apologize to the beans beforehand? No. No? Because, you know, when pressure is applied on a coal, it turns into a diamond. <gasps> That's so beautiful. So pressure applied on bean flour, oh it turns God. into a bread <laughs> that is similar to wheat flour. The rest of the conversation they had with Navneet is just as precious as that gem right there. But while you're listening, keep in mind that we're both graduate students, and we don't know everything, but that's why you're listening to an episode of We Know Some Stuff. Hi Navneet, how are you doing today? Hey Luigi, I'm good, how are you? I'm, I'm pretty good over here, and I'm even better when I'm faced with a topic that I'm quite passionate about myself. Mm -hmm. We are talking about bread. Where do we begin with bread? Well, I can start by asking you, what kind of bread do you like? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Because yes. in every part of the world, we get different kinds of breads. For example, in India, the bread that we like is the naan bread or the flat bread. And then when you move on to the west side, the bread is different. Yeah, I, you know, bread is beautiful. All bread is beautiful, mm -hmm. truly. Like, I don't bread shame. If that's a specific bread that's like your bread, great. I love crispy baguette. Like you ever go to the French bakeries or like one of those and it's, mm. you know, it's long, but it's crunchy. Like I, I, I almost want my teeth to hurt when I'm eating bread. Is that crazy? No, that's your preference. And the industry, food industry works on consumers' preference. So, You know, that makes me feel really special, Nafni. The food industry is out there for my preferences. Of course, they, they listen to you and then they make good product. Oh, God, I, I'm honestly I'm flattered. I'm like blushing over here. So I, I love crispy, crunchy bread. Baguette's probably my favorite. Um, not a crazy fan about soft breads, like a hamburger buns, nah, brioche, nah, um, sourdough. I love sourdough bread. I think sourdough is the best kind of oh. bread. Oh, I love sourdough. But also, if we're going to count other things like injera, like if you have Ethiopian cuisine, mm -hmm. I love that. It, that's technically a flatbread. Yep. So very different, but it's got like a lot of sourdough type qualities because it's fermented, right? Yep. Yeah, it's good stuff. So given that there's like so many different kinds of bread, where in the world do we need people like you to research bread? Like, I, I've, haven't we figured it out yet? Haven't they? I feel like they've been making bread since, like, caveman times. Yeah, but still, 
you know with all the wheat production and and the reduction of wheat ingredients in the market bread would always be a topic of discussion because you cannot live without bread mm. it's there in your diet mm. and you would always always need different kinds of breads a meal is incomplete without bread <laughs> i completely agree with that mm-hmm. i i feel very sad when i go days without bread you know you you said that there is a lot of wheat that we use in bread i think traditionally most people know that bread is made with wheat flour mm-hmm. that's what makes it so delicious i suppose this wheat flour it has starch in it it has protein in it any anything else like what else does wheat flour have starch protein that's about it yeah <laughs> it's it's mostly starches yeah. so yeah mostly starch and it makes that delicious bread but some people there's some people out there unfortunate people in my opinion that cannot eat wheat and that sounds really sad to me I might cry. Yeah, I cried for them and that's why I started working for them. <laughs> My research is all about breads but non-wheat breads. So. Non-wheat breads. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and I and I love bread so much so I'm almost a little bit pained to talk about it. But you are here, Navneet the savior of non-wheat breads. Non-wheat breads. I'm trying to think of, you know, what that is. I'm assuming this is for people who can't have gluten, right? Yep. And uh, people who are intolerant to gluten and um celiac disease. Yep. Right? So that's another one. So there's a lot of people out there that can't have wheat bread. Yep. So why don't they just use something else? Well, the characteristics that different wheat components that provide to the bread, as you mentioned, crispiness, the softness, the crunchiness and the sponginess of the bread that comes from the wheat's components that are specific to wheat so people are so accustomed to those characteristics of the product that they cannot just makes a bread out of any other component and say you know this is the bread i like okay so you're telling me that the properties the things that we love about bread are related to the original ingredients that we start with it's not just wheat flour mm-hmm. that makes a bread have gluten there's there's other you know um wheat <laughs> there's other cereals. there's other cereals yeah cereals there are other cereals that also have gluten yep. like rye bread barley and the cross bread of these grains and anything that's made from that it would contain gluten okay okay so definitely not any of those those we're going to consider gluten breads and we're not going to talk There there's like a lot of these different types of breads. I've seen some made out of corn. Mm-hmm. Uh I've seen rice-based bread. And and you know this is not like rice paper and this is this is like they made a what one would consider a western loaf of bread out of rice. I've seen sorghum as well. There's a lot of different things out there. In market you have rice bread, sorghum bread and corn bread and all these are different kinds of cereal products and they have the same kind of composition in terms of starch but their proteins are different. Oh okay. That so is they don't have gluten. Th- and and gluten's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Gluten is a really big deal actually because I I've had some of those products and they're like you know someone hands me a slice and it's probably you know $14 per slice I honestly I don't know uh and they hand a slice and I'm chewing it I'm like this sponge is so good thank you for this kitchen dish sponge that I'm eating right now there <laughs> like 
I'm not gonna lie, they're unpleasant. Yep. And and also the ingredient list, if you have ever, you know, checked the ingredient list of that, it's not just the flour, the amount of chemicals that are added into these kinds of breads. That, and it's insane. Yeah. Those packages, a lot of people talk about, you know, oh, I don't want too many ingredients in my foods. Uh, and then you look at those packages and it's like way more than any other bread. Yeah. It's crazy because they have to do a lot of things to that bread in order to make it more similar to gluten. Basically, from this, we know that, you know, if we're not using uh, cereals with gluten in it, we're going to have some weirder properties in our bread that we might not love. Yep. People are adding things. They're mixing things in. They're trying this chemical, that chemical, this chemical. And and sometimes it works. Sometimes some are better than others. They're, it's not super consistent in the market. Yep. But we're still out there looking for better proteins to replace gluten. This is where your research comes in. What are you looking at? Well, uh, as we mentioned before, that whatever bread products that are available in the market that, has, that are non-gluten, they're usually made from cereal products, such as rice, sorghum, and or maybe they're made from almond flour, and they would always have a lot of chemicals in them. But again, these are cereals, and cereal grains, they have a lot of carbohydrates in them, which is like, inst- that give you instant energy, oh, Mm. In instant spike in your blood sugar level mm. and again it's all about energy product it, they don't have enough of protein and that's why i need to come in and work with beans beans yeah bean bread this sounds ridiculous why beans navni well first of all beans are sustainable crop. Nowadays, we use all these hot words like sustainable production, high protein, wheat alternative, gluten-free, and that's where we need to look for solutions that provide all these characteristics. And that's where the beans come in. Because beans are sustainable crop, for example, they help fixing atmospheric nitrogen in the soil. So they maintain that nitrogen fixing cycles. And that's why are considered sustainable crops. Also, beans are high in protein. In wheat products, you usually have around, or wheat flour, you usually have around 18 to 12% of protein. But in case of beans, you get 20 to 25% of protein. So it's a high amount of protein in a plant-based product. Protein, protein, protein. We love protein. Well, you constantly hear people talking about like, oh, I need protein. I need this many grams of protein. I've never tried to be a bodybuilder. Have you ever tried to be a bodybuilder? But they need a lot of protein, too. Yeah. So so someone out there, they're listening and they're thinking like, you know, maybe, maybe beans are the answer. Yeah. So beans have so much more protein. They still have some starch in them, don't they? Yeah, they have 35 to 40% of starch in them. So we got more protein. We have a decent amount of starch. So can we just grind up the beans into a flour and, and bake it and call it a day? No. Why not? Because it's all about how that starch and protein is present in that tiny little seed and you know when you bake it how it reacts with water and you know make a specific bread like product and that just doesn't happen by mixing flour water and yeast and just getting a product out of it there's a lot of science that goes behind baking and working with these components i'll tell you what i i bake my own bread uh every once in a while 
And <laughs> I think it's plenty hard to just use flour, mm-hmm. water, and yeast. Yep. Like, that, it's hard enough on its own. Yep. But now we're taking out wheat, which is considered, like, the gold standard for bread. And we're going to replace it with all these different kind of things, like beans. Now, do you know if there's some bean bread-based products out there right now? Have you seen any? No, I haven't seen any product that is commercialized so far and which is bean-based. But again, going back to my roots, in India, we do have different kinds of pulses. Bean is one kind of pulse. So uh, pulses where we use them in making different breads, but they are flat breads. Again, not loaf breads. Okay, okay, okay. So we have an example of these types of things being used for other bread-like products. Mm -hmm. Not so much the way that you know, Western civilization sees bread, though. So in this case, you're using bean, and you you called it a pulse. Are are there other pulses out there? Yeah, the pulses are basically of four types. They are dry beans and peas, chickpeas, and lentils. These are the four types, and they, they have different characteristics. Beans usually are consumed as whole seeds, whereas chickpea can be ground into flour. And specifically in Middle Eastern and in South Asian cuisines, chickpeas is used quite a lot. This is where you come in. This is this is the big deal over here. We, we establish bread, love. Gluten, love. If we can't have gluten, if we don't want gluten, bread is very sad. Sad, but not impossible. <laughs> Sad, but not impossible. That's This is very uplifting. So uh, people like you, you walk in and you say, I got to make a better bread. Mm-hmm. This is imperative. I cannot watch my people suffer from eating yucky, corn-based, mushy, soft, spongy bread. Yep. You want to make a better bean bread. Yep. How in the world do you do that? Like, like beyond just grinding these beans up into a flour... You're, you're doing more, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's all about engineering the components of the beans without actually adding any sort of foreign materials into it. So what my research focuses on is to engineer the starch and protein in a way that it works how starch and gluten would work in a wheat flour. So the starch and protein of bean is engineered with different parameters like temperature, pressure, shear forces. So we just engineer those characteristics of the proteins and starches that are already present in the bean. So we don't add any foreign materials. This is fascinating. You mm-hmm. know, because we talked earlier about the, the ridiculous amount of ingredients in some of these products. And you are trying to find ways to not have to use that many ingredients. That sounds like a good thing, right? Yep. But you you mentioned that you're engineering it. And I think a lot of people, once you cross this line of saying engineering and food, people make the association with genetic engineering, Mm -hmm. GMOs. Is that what you're doing? No. So what kind of engineering? We just use physical parameters, uh, just like temperature, pressure, just heat the flour, which is like normal cooking, right? You use temperature in normal cooking, and that's what we use for engineering the starch and protein in bean flour. And then we have pressure. We know that normal pressure cooking is very common uh, in different, you know. So using a simple pressure treatment, we engineer starch and protein. And then if you grind it, like how you would make pasta, we use that kind of technology to engineer the starch and protein. So it's basically 
whatever you normally use in your daily life, specifically certain parameters, certain temperatures and certain pressures, engineers start. Engineering the starch and the protein, this sounds like now we're getting into the science world. We're getting a little bit, you know, a little into the nitty gritty of, because you said pressure. Now, if this was like three or four years ago, People were absolutely crazy about pressure cookers. Mm -hmm. That was like a really big deal for an amount of time. Everyone had the countertop pressure cooker. And it was like, you can make an entire chicken in 15 minutes. You know, all of that nonsense. So why are you going to pressure cook beans? Well, I don't pressure cook beans. I pressure cook flour. Oh, bean flour. Yeah. But here cooking... That does not mean at high temperature. Mm. It's pressure treatment at very low temperature. So you're not popping it into uh, one of those countertop things and... No, no, no. I don't do that. So then what do you mean by applying pressure to it? What's a pressure treatment? Well, I don't use pressure cooker to change the properties of starch and protein. I use a huge machine. A big one? Like how huge? A huge machine that would, you know... (laughs) take half of the room. I use that machine to apply hydraulic pressure. Hydraulic pressure means pressure applied by water on the flour. And that pressure is so high that it changes the little components that are starch and proteins within that flour system. So really big machine. Mm-hmm. We're, t- we're talking a lot of pressure. If I were to go inside this machine, what would happen to me? Would I like explode like a grape? <laughs> well, That machine applies pressure equally on all the sides. Oh, that's lovely. (laughs) Okay, so the pressure is applied equally at each part of that whole system. So if you are in that machine and the pressure is applied on you, probably you'll have some deformations, but they will be on all over your body. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) Evenly spread out (laughs) deformations on my body. You could advertise it like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But this really high pressure, we're talking a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And a lot of pressure kind of changes things sometimes. Yep. You know, I think back to uh, maybe it was like 2013, 2015, when people were, you know, like on YouTube, you would always see those videos of people just smashing things with hydraulic presses. And it was so satisfying to watch. So satisfying. Like, oh, here is an iPhone crushed. And then other times it would be like, here's Play-Doh, crushed. Or they would do like a can, and as the pressure got higher, the can would explode. Yep. So pressure does a lot of damage sometimes. Yep. And you are pressure-treating beans because we've established that the starch and the protein, it's not the best for a bread-like application. So you said, screw you, beans. I'm going to just put you into the pressure machine. Yep. See how you like it. Yeah. And and do you feel cruel when you do that? Do you ever apologize to the beans beforehand? No. No. Because, you know, when pressure is applied on a coal, it turns into a diamond. <gasps> That's so beautiful. So pressure applied on bean flour oh turns God. into a bread. <laughs> Very similar to wheat flour. I love that. Oh, my God. Like, I love that so much. I'm actually tearing up. <laughs> So you are making diamonds out of beans. Yeah. 
the diamond the equivalent. product price of diamond at this point because gluten free products are very expensive yeah they are it's because we need to do kind of somewhat ridiculous things to them in order to make them good enough yeah the living cost is like paying for diamond so mm. you need a cheap bread yeah okay so you 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 squeeze your beans more or less and bean flour bean flour i keep saying beans so bean flour so it's already in the flour form yeah. and it's it's like powdery or whatever powdery. You you add some water into it, and then it goes into that pressure chamber where you apply the hydraulic pressure. Oh, okay, but you don't like put the dough in there. You just put no. the kind of wettish flour. Yeah, and then that flour is dried. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't I couldn't do this at home. This is not something I could do. I can't just like put a whole bunch of uh, you know weights from the gym on top of my flour. Could I achieve that amount of pressure doing that? No. So this is a lot of pressure. Okay, okay. What does the pressure do? So as you mentioned that it's a lot of pressure. I would just say the amount of pressure that the beans have to go through, the bean flour, it's around 500 to 600 megapascals. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and <laughs> as you gave an example of, you know, applying pressure and it's the things just explode. So the same way the starch changes. A starch normally is in a granular form. So applying a lot of pressure, it changes granular structure of starch. It tends to break. It does not break completely, but if you apply a pressure higher than 600 megapascal, it's possible that even the starch would break apart. In a bean flour, starch is surrounded by mass of protein. So that pressure changes even the structure of that protein. Yeah, you, you get a lot of changes. You you apply the pressure and it just changes the bean flour. It, it changes the starch it changes the protein we said earlier that the starch and protein in bean flour before we you know do high pressure it, it doesn't make a very good bread yeah but now that you've changed the structure of the starch granule you've changed the structure of the protein are you getting better bread yeah that just from just from this little pressure mm. that's it just from that well not so little pressure oh oh lots of pressure just from <laughs> lots this of pressure. <laughs> lots of pressure <laughs> lots of pressure yeah we are able to achieve a uh, really good results which is not exactly like wheat but it is similar to a wheat flour so you compare it to wheat flour yeah so like uh, what's a property of wheat flour that's important to us like what's one property the viscoelasticity okay so like how it stretches the, it how stretches it how spongy it is mm-hmm. how springy it is yeah stringy spongy pulley stretchy yeah basically all of the those things so you look at what wheat is you look at the wheat flour and how that makes it then you look at your pressurized bean flour and you compare them and i'm assuming you want to get as close to the wheat as possible now if you were to compare your non-pressurized beans with bean flour i can't stop it Mm-hmm. If you were to compare your non-pressurized bean flour with pressurized bean flour, they're different. Yep. And which one's closer to the wheat properties? The pressurized. Oh, okay. Like really a lot closer, like way better or just like kind of better? Way better than the unprocessed one, mm-hmm. uh, the one that is not pressurized, but it is not that close to wheat flour. Mm, okay. So we, we can't 100% mimic wheat flour, can we? I think we can. Oh, we can. Yeah. It's, again, the difference in wheat and bean flour does not just come from the gluten component. It also comes from the amount of starch that is present in 
a wheat flour. So in wheat flour, as we know, the starch component is around 80%, whereas in bean flour, it is around 35 to 40%. So we are trying to make a product out of something which has half the amount of the component that is responsible for that product's parameters. So if we have to make a bread which is exactly like wheat flour, we can add just extra starch, for example, cornstarch. Oh. We use mm -hmm. cornstarch extensively in our kitchens and just adding a little bit of starch into it. You don't have to make it 80%, but just increasing 10, 15, 20% of it would make quite a lot of difference in how your bread would look like. Well, now I think I really understand why bean flour doesn't make, you know, bread as we know it from wheat. It's because it doesn't have nearly as much starch. Yep. And, oh, that, that seems like a problem. So you add something like cornstarch. Cornstarch, no gluten. Because, well, gluten's a protein and starch is not a protein. Yep. So there's no gluten in cornstarch, and that kind of makes up for the need of more and more starch in order to make a good bread. Yep. You know, you probably have spent a lot of time, you know, adding a lot of pressure to this bean flour. I imagine you've done a lot of science where you put things in beakers and you, like, measure it and you look and it changes mm -hmm. a color or something like that. Yep. But, like, ultimately this leads up to, is your bread disgusting? <laughs> I mean, in the nicest way. Mm -hmm. How do you find out if people like this? For people to like it, we need people to test it. Okay. So that comes from the sensory studies that we conduct for my research. I am soon going to conduct a sensory study on how the breads would taste like, or my sensory panelist would compare it to the wheat flour bread and would give me the results. And we'll see if people find it disgusting or they love it. So up until this point, have you subjected other people outside of your sensory panel to taste your breads yes i did uh, and i will say that i've been a victim of it <laughs> they're honestly everyone listening to this they're not that bad yeah. I, i'm shocked i was legitimately shocked like i've known you for years and i i was like yeah okay bean bread bean bread blah 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 but then i tasted i was like oh that's not bad yeah yeah and and you gave me the best compliment that this was the best gluten-free product i have ever tasted and i'm here and, and i think i did my phd with that sentence it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that got you all the way through yeah. I, it honestly was because like the only alternatives that i've had were the the, the really nasty gross ones at the grocery store that cost like $14. And with all the extra stuff that you don't need. So much extra stuff in there. And then you you come here and I'm like, oh, it's it's actually moist. Mm -hmm. It's not gummy. Like I know I, I've had a corn-based uh, bread before. Not cornbread, but they tried to make, you know, wheat-like bread using corn protein. And I remember like, okay, you chew it. It's nice at first, but then it would form this like wet spongy ball in your mouth. And I, this is awful. But your bread didn't. It was, dare I even say good. Mm -hmm. Wow. I I'm glad you said that. That's what I, I'm not even, I'm not just saying this to make you happy at this point. Like I was truly shocked by the fact that your bread tastes good. So, so we're, we're on the way to making this kind of alternative bread, you're going to see what other people that you don't force that volunteer <laughs> to taste your breads, so you're going to see what they say about it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean two or three weeks after the, your sensory panel comes back, we're going to see it on the market shelves. No. Like then four weeks? Five weeks, maybe? Um, well, for a product to get from lab to market, it has to go through a number of steps. In case of my research, 
we know that breads are high in protein these breads are high in protein and they have a good structure we have ticked like two points uh, of what a consumer would demand which is high protein product and a wheat like product but how well that protein is digested in your body mm. that is also very very important how much of that protein you are actually getting a mm. uh, benefit from so next part of my research would be to understand that digestibility of that protein and go through that stuff and then decide if this product is good enough to go to the market but i think if an industry has to take this flower and make a product out of it it's going to sell Okay. It it would turn into diamond. It would turn into diamond. This is the most beautiful like I honestly I'm really touched by this whole diamond thing. Under pressure, you've become a diamond. As we are becoming. As we are becoming. Uh and I imagine right right so we eat food and we like it to taste good but there's other parts of food that are important like the nutrition. Yeah. So we would have to figure that out before you start seeing it on the grocery store shelves. Yeah, yeah because I said there are products but are they healthy? Mm. That's the question. Mm-hmm. So if we have taken up this challenge of giving the consumer a healthy product we need to look at each aspect of it my research at this point just studies the structure function relationships there is how starch protein change and give a nice bread like structure in a bean flour but the nutritional aspect of it still needs to be studied okay so in short you pressurize bean flour and it starts to make a better bread yeah fascinating that's a beautiful story yep i i would read a, a children's book of that <laughs> Like the little bean that became a bread. Oh! You should publish that. Oh, can I draw the so, pictures? That's so cute. Let's do it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. let's collab. We're going to drop out of our PhD programs and we're going to just be children's books authors. <laughs> yeah, a little bean that became bread. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. <laughs> I love it. We came up with new words today. <laughs> we got it. We got it. We are going to be famous. So you heard it here first. Yeah. Trademark. Copyright. Do not steal. Okay, Navneet, it was a, a pleasure talking with you today about your bean breads. Thank you so much. It was so nice. And thank you for giving me the chance to actually bring my research people and let them know that we are working for them and they are going to get good products in the market soon. My poor, poor gluten, you're being replaced before our very eyes. But people like Navneet are out there to try to find different ways to replace a really important ingredient in a lot of baked goods. So alas, it comes to that point on we know some stuff where we have to admit that we don't know all the stuff. That is our fact check. Navneet and I listened to this episode a number of times and we didn't find anything that needed correcting. However, if we do find something in the future, we'll be the first one here to correct it. That being said, say goodbye to gluten and say hello to the end of the episode of We Know Some Stuff.